Welcome to Dream, Declare, Deliver with your host, Chris Garrell. Join us each week as we explore how to live a life by design by applying the tools and techniques of emotional intelligence and personal transformation. Here's Chris. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Hello. Good day to you wherever you are. This is Dream, Declare, Deliver, and I'm your host, Chris Garrell. And today I am just so delighted to be joined again by Dr. Stacy Finer, but also her colleague, Dr. Kathy Overbeck. They are writing a much-needed new book that I hope is going to be a, a foundational book for psychology going forward. It, it's something that uh, I'm, I'm very excited about and, and that I've been in conversation with Stacy over the past six months or more um, as they begin writing it. So first and foremost, guys, you know, what's the title of the book and where is it going to be published and all that kind of stuff? Chris, thanks for having us on. Actually, you were at one of our early dinners. Right. (laughs) uh, When we were talking about the book and your input was, it's always so important and and, uh, helpful. So thanks for having us on. The book is called The Sixth Level, Capitalize on the Power of Women's Psychology for Sustainable Leadership. Outstanding. Um, Yes. It's kind of a multi-layered book. It is the sixth level, which is the added level to Maslow's hierarchy. Maslow's hierarchy stopped at the fifth level, which is called, which he labeled self-actualization. And what we've discovered in research on women is that, uh, in fact, people, humans, women go to a sixth level of development, which we've called self in relation. So we go from self-actualization which is a period of development where people become capable and open to reaching their own potential. And then the sixth level, which is self in relation, is where people have this immense curiosity to learn about themselves Mm. through the eyes of someone else and for that other person to learn about themselves through the eyes of others. And this is really the premise of the book, and it's really the premise of mutuality. It's this um, state of two-way empathy. Yeah. And so, um, yes, the book is really, um, it's asserting a new level of psychological development uh, born out of the research of women's psychology that all of us need and should learn to be great leaders. Right. Absolutely. Kathy, why did you get involved in the book? Um, what was your part in that? Okay. Well, actually, I have a background in studying daughters in family businesses. So that sort of lends itself to this discussion of women and leadership. So that's it. So Stacey invited me in uh, to help with the research. And um, we've had many extensive conversations about uh, women and leadership leadership and what we've learned from the narratives that mm-hmm. we've received from the contributors. Yeah. And, and my experience is that so often those qualities of women leaders are often put down or seen as not as powerful or whatever as what the typical masculine characteristics of competitiveness and, and dog eat dog and all that, you know, stuff that we've been fed. Uh, um, it, it, so how does that play in? Where do you, 
Is it just at the sixth level or, or do you see this kind of stuff playing out in all of the levels of, of development where there's a slightly different approach to it? Well, I mean, to broaden the question just a little bit, women's psychology or psychology, mainstream psychology, mm-hmm. up until the 70s, the early 1970s, uh, psychological research was done predominant research was done predominantly yep. almost exclusively on men. And so the the findings of human psychology was really based on men's psychology and then mm-hmm. generalized mm-hmm. to the whole population. Right. So we're not necessarily refuting in this book uh, the psychological development of men. What we are saying is that there's a different psychological development process for women. And when humans are contributing to society equally, mm-hmm. then we get the benefit of each other's psychology, right? Because so you're, we, yeah, you see it as a both and uh, as opposed to a replacement um, theory. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. yeah. That's a very important point because what we are saying is that some of the attributes that women use in leadership can be used by men and many men are using them. Oh yeah. But yeah. Not enough. And I think because of the psychological system in which men are raised, they mm. sometimes are resistant to learn the lessons um, that women offer. Right. I, I, and it, you know, it's the same reason why I wrote learning to feel is, you know, that so often we've been taught, we men have been taught not to feel, or if we're taught to feel, it was anger, uh, rage and numbness, you know, as our, as our triumvirate of feelings out on the playing field or wherever we were as, as boys growing up, we were told not to feel we were, you know, and, and that makes us good soldiers. You know, Mm -hmm. that makes us good, obedient soldiers when we get into battle or or things like that is is like you listen to the commander. You don't have feelings about this. And so I had a compelling need to say, no, it's not that way. We're human beings who are born with these emotions. And what I hear you guys saying in the book is it's not exclusive of male psychology, which, you know, we all agree was just white elite males. It wasn't just men. It was the white elite males at at certain feeder colleges like Cambridge and Oxford and uh, Harvard and places like that, Princeton and, and so on, where all the researchers were. But it, it's not exclusive of that. It's just it's a weaving together of there are these other attributes like emotions for me. You know, there are other attributes. What would you say? would be the one or two or three, you know, maybe one from each of you, key distinctions that, you know, women's psychology has to offer as as really great leadership skills. Ooh, Put you on the spot for that one. <laughs> well I'll cue I'll cue Kathy up for that just to um to emphasize a little bit on the differences of the way women are socialized and boys are socialized and girls are socialized. So very simply, but accurately, Mm. uh, of course, generalized, uh, boys have three phases. So we're, we're born. So this isn't necessarily a biologically based argument, though right. certainly biology is relevant, though we don't capture it in, in our book. We don't need to. Um, 
so we're born and there are, let's just say three phases. Uh, boys grow initially to separate from their mm -hmm, mm -hmm. parental figure, their mother figure. So boys are different from their mothers from a gender perspective, and they learn to be other than their mother. So, mm -hmm, and, the, mm -hmm. and oftentimes in the absence of a, uh, a caring or loving or de emotionally demonstrative father, there's a void in how boys learn to be emotional and to express emotion. To add to that, there's often, uh, you know, an initiation ritual um, of boy against father, that the boy has to break free from the father if the father is present, um, almost, you know, come to fisticuffs to fight their way free and be an individual. You're so right on that developmental phase. So I think what you'll see, so there are three phases um, of both men and women or boys and girls that basically mirror each other mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, or or are the opposite of each other. And all, let me just say, all in the context of a dominant society that forces a dichotomy of you're either, you know, the feminine and emotional or you're the masculine and dominant. So yeah, we're right. in a system. Um, so you can add many things to these phases because sure. the entire system is built on this false dichotomy that we must have one or the other. So just really quickly, and and again, you can read the book, but uh, is, you know, and we can pre-order the book on www.thesixlevel.com, should you, should anybody be so inclined. Say that uh, again so that we hear it. <laughs> www.thesixlevel.com. All one word. So, yeah, the sixth yep, level. So boys are raised to separate from their mother. Mm -hmm. Then they have the second is very rigid expression. They have rigid parameters on how they express themselves. And then later in life, we what we've discovered and or what we've called the fear of the feminine, which mm. is actually in the book reference to bowling, but the fear of the feminine. So if you think about the biggest, most frightening insight, insult that you could give to a man is to feminize him. Mm -hmm. And so there's this notion that if you are anything like female, you are not masculine. And You're so anyway, than, yeah. those are the three things. So then on the women's side, and I'm going to cue you up, Kathy, is, you know, women grow in connection uh, to be like their mothers, to, to find allegiance or similarities or attachment with their mother. And that comes with a host of their own challenges, right? But still... Oh, yeah learning connection, and then having a wide range of expression, emotional expression, and then six-level leadership, so mutuality, yeah. right. the ability to oh. connect and express oneself in connection with others. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, and there's a gap. So by the time we're adults, men are fearing the feminine and women are seeking connection. And mm -hmm. so you have this um, this gap that we are experiencing in our lives that make it really difficult for us to coexist right? in a healthy way. Kat, yeah. Yeah. what are the qualities? <laughs> well, let me talk a little bit about how that development um, translates into leadership. There are some really wonderful stories showing the ethic of care that women tend to prioritize now, again, there are a lot of men who also care about their employees, but the way that women, these women implement it, um, is 
unusual and remarkable. For example, there is one woman during the pandemic. Now, of course, there was a small um, group of employees, but during the pandemic, she was under a lot of pressure to, um, she was creating masks out of a fabric that um, she had invented that was micro, uh, microbial. I can't think of the word now, but anyway. Like microfiber. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it was resistant to germs. Hmm. And so during this time, there was a lot of pressure to get all these masks made, but she would take time during the day to have the employees dance together. <laughs> um, they would take a dance from TikTok and one person would teach the others how to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, she said during that time, she would be thinking to herself, we need to use this time to get our work done. But what she found was if she skipped it, they got less work done. That right. taking the time to care for the employees actually results in more productivity. Yeah, that's and so there's true. Any yeah. stories like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Which, by the way, is an example of one of the four core differentiators, which in the book is identified as ingenuity. Mm. That women bring ingenuity to society, that mm-hmm. women bring ingenuity to our communities in ingenuity. And the book is defined as the ability to solve complex problems with innovative solutions that serve everyone, that serve right. many. Right. Right. Instead so of just a exactly problem solution, problem uh, resolution kind of model that is straight as an arrow. Let's go to the bottom line. Let's, you know, like drive to the finish to solve this problem. Um you know, when I do workshops with with executives and leadership teams, you know, I'll often throw out a problem. And the the thing that's most astounding to me is they go immediately to work and, and I'll let them go for a little bit. And then I'll say, OK, stop. What's missing here? And they go like, well, that, that you know, they, they fumble around. I said, no, what's missing here is you never stopped at, at first to think about the problem to come up with a plan about the problem. I love John Cleese's model of creativity to sit with the discomfort of the problem enough that it will percolate the creativity. You know, so the, what's powerful about just taking time to dance is it gets you out of your head first off and out of yes. that logic mode and into your body and into a body experience. And there's so much more wisdom in this thing here than there is in this thing here. I found out over the years. So, um, it, so there is a wisdom to that. I just have to say, parenthetically, I'm working with another man to create um, a rite of passage and initiation into eldering for men. Um, because there, you know, we do a lot of rite of passage work for boys to, to men and for men into, you know, into leadership, but there's no, there's no sanctification anymore of the elder role and, and the wisdom what we're going to do with this workshop is, is really dig into what is the will, wisdom of the elder. And it, it comes from the body. It comes from the wounds, you know, the wisdom of the wound, because that's where we learn so much more than in our successes. So, you know, this whole masculine model of achievement is all about drive to success and resume bullet points. 
And, you know, what you learn as an elder is that doesn't even matter anymore. You know, what, what matters in life is, um, is the wisdom that you gain from, you know, from the experience itself, the bodily experience and, and drawing from that to, 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 you know, to teach others from that. So, um, so it's, well, that's it's beautiful. we're coming back yes. in, around. I, I see us coming back around to embracing what you're talking about as the core, one of the core principles of, of womanist, um, uh, leadership. Uh, so yeah, we, we, we we'll, well get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get there someday. Yeah. Wow. Business is such a, it's such a, it's the birthplace of a lot of possibility, right? I mean, you have communities that people come volitionally mm-hmm. to this workplace. It used to be mm-hmm. brick and mortar, but now it's just kind of the name of the company. And this is the company we work for. And it brings together um, people who volish- volitionally show up. And so the opportunity to create prosperous, sustainable, rewarding, and fulfilling communities and cultures is really the litmus test. Mm-hmm. So the four core differentiators, uh, the fourth one, the, the fourth one is intrinsic motivation. Mm. Essentially, the leader brings an intrinsic need or purpose or um, compulsion to, to serve the community. It's mm. it's what what uh, Kathy mentioned as the ethic of care, mm-hmm. which is also mentioned a lot in Carol Gilligan's early work. Right. Um, so this notion of the ethic of care uh, and bringing people together so that they also choose to want to be in this fulfilling yeah. environment. And it's just interesting, uh, Chris, when you talk about how um, men uh, uh, somehow don't, uh, there isn't an appreciation for the elder. Mm-hmm. And that's for sure something in our culture. I know that right. a woman by the name of Cindy Gallup is spending quite a bit of time helping uh, a- helping to break through ageism. Yeah, right. And one of the things that she's saying is that women above 50, older than 50, are a very critical part of the workforce. And we are ready. Women are ready to, mm-hmm. to bring ingenuity into the workforce right. with all of these wisdoms. And men perhaps are also needing an opportunity to exit with dignity and also with purpose. Right. Oh, absolutely. Something that's, um, you know, interesting. Uh, uh, Yeah. Where they come together. Yeah. Right. So I have a question for both of you because you both work in uh, a lot with uh, family run businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And and uh, how do I say this politely? The the young women of the family are slighted in preference to or in deference to the young men of the family in terms of succession. Um, how do you, how do you get that turned around? How do you, you know, Kathy, you were talking about working with girls and, and women in, in the, in the business. How do we, how do we bump our heads against or, or, or break a hole in that, that and I'll call it sexist because that's what it is. It's that sexist model that says the boys are more capable of running this business than the girls are. Hello. Um, where does that, how do you see that playing out for you guys? Ah, well, that's actually a different topic than, than what we're talking about in the book. <laughs> Although I think, I think the way that it's related is that these stories demonstrate that women, even though they may appear to be unbusinesslike, um, 
are are very effective business leaders. Mm-hmm. So um, I think this book is very important in getting that message out so that parents and particularly fathers, if they were the founders or the leaders of the business, mm-hmm. so they can see that, that maybe they've been overlooking something in their daughters. So I think this book will be very helpful in that respect. But you bring up a topic that um, is very much under the radar. Most people don't realize that doctors, uh, daughters are are experiencing. It's a form of discrimination. Discrimination. Been, yeah, right. I've been trying to find another way to describe it, but um, that's what it is. Call it what um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, many daughters don't even realize that they are experiencing that because to them, it's just natural. It's part um, of the family dynamic. That is it. So like, for example, when I was doing my research, I would call up um, daughters and say, you know, I want to talk to you about your family business. And the first thing they would say to me is, oh, you should talk to my brothers because I don't know anything about it. <laughs> so, right. you know, and, and they don't even realize, well, why don't you know anything and they know everything? Um, there's. Yeah, right. How come they've been getting all the, you know, the information, you know, and all the, all the mentoring and you haven't been getting that same mentoring? Yeah. That's, that's right. really the question. If they don't realize Kathy, it. Go ahead. And Kathy and I wrote a paper on, um, a psychological, socio-psychological concept called homeostasis. And homeostasis is in the scientific world really basically the the system the human you know the the biological system where the system comes back to its natural state the its natural balance yeah right yeah, the, yeah. you know your temperature is ninety eight point six your blood pressure is this your heart rate is this mm-hmm. at a healthy level so that's a homeostasis is when the organism comes back to its rested state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we found. We use this concept of homeostasis to describe family dynamics and that when there's disruption in the family and it could be any type of disruption, a child, um, you know, wants to move out of the town that they grew up in. They want to live in a mm-hmm. different town and not you know, carry on the family business or stay with the family and that or could be more more substantial with, with with real disruption, like a daughter wants a chance at running the family business. And then the system argues, it explodes um in 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 um in defense of that um of that disruption. Like the body, if you have a temperature or you're sick, it fights that mm-hmm. to get back to its baseline. So families fight to get back to its homeostasis. And so the work that we've done in an, in an attempt is to help the system gain a new baseline, learn to be open to new concepts so that organism can then have a new homeostasis mm-hmm. and, and organize back around something that's new and progressive. Wow. It's on one level sad that it's, it's taken so long for this to come into being and not you guys, but that we, you know, we experienced the, the feminist revolution back in the early seventies and, and earlier, in fact, when some of the forerunners were starting to bring awareness to feminist psychology and, and the, the you know, the value system that were there. And it's a concept whose, whose time has come. 
And so I'm so delighted that you guys have put together this whole panel of people. Um, you have what the four co-authors and then a whole bevy of like a dozen or so other contributors to the book. Um, so right. uh, it, it should be just a really rich read. And I, 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 you know, like I said, I can't wait for it to hit the stands. Um, and I, you know, I'm going to pre-order my, my copy. Um, I've only ever seen Kat, uh, Stacey's um, intro chapter, so that's all I know of it so far, but that in our conversation before. But again, it's the sixth level, and you want to just, you know, shout out to your co-authors. Sure. So it's the sixth level, authored by, obviously, Stacy, myself, and Kathy, and also Rachel Wallace Andreasen and Dr. Jack. Harris, hmm. who is, um, yeah, they're both fabulous people. Um, Rachel is a CEO and owner of a family business. And uh, Jack is a professor of sociology and many other things for 50 years at Hobart and William Smith Colleges. Right. My new book is, out. I got to do a plug here. Oh. My new book is out. It's called Learning to Feel. Last week, it crested at number five on the best selling list, and it was the number one wow. hot pick for Amazon Kindle. Wow. You know, I was a bad boy over the weekend and paid attention to family and instead of uh, marketing. And so it slipped a little bit in the polls, but uh, I'm very proud that, you know, it's, it seems to be striking a chord with people. There are so many things going on in our world that are causing us to have all of these emotions and we just have, have, you know, we, we're stiff arming uh, our emotions and, and they're really the key to unlocking the inner belief system, the inner thought system that goes on that causes our reactions. You know, mo what emotions are for is really to cause quick reaction. They're a survival technique that we evolved with. And, and so what we get to look at is, well, what's the thought that causes the emotion? What's the belief that causes the thought that causes the emotion? And when we do that, then we have, a, a, actually we can get to a place of choice. And so it's not about managing emotions, it's about learning and, and learning to feel them fully and then allow that to open up the door to inside. And, and so we're speaking to somebody, you know, and I think we're both on to areas in, in our writing that um, is, is waking up a whole new conversation. So again, thank you guys both for being here and um, best of luck with the book. Take Thank care. You well, thanks for much. having us, Chris, and congratulations on your book, too. Thanks for yes. having us. Yes, yes. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you.